Right, all right. Boy, what a great day uh, so far it's been. I hope you've already been able to worship in spirit and in truth and uh, excited about uh, what this day has in store for us uh, because if you notice, we, uh, we sing a, a one less song today and so I, I kind of felt like the message as we get into it presents itself to where we're going to do a little bit more singing than we normally do at the end. And so just kind of prepare your hearts and be ready for that as we uh, go through this message here once again uh, today. It's going to be a fabulous day. I already feel like it has been and just wait till it's done. God is here and he's ready to stir in your hearts. I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready for him to come and uh, make a difference in you here once again today. Well, we've been in a series over the last several of weeks called the valleys of life. See, every one of us are going through some sort of valley of life right now. It could be a valley of uh, great rejoicing, uh, great uh, sorrow, great difficulty, great uh, failure maybe you've had. Uh, Maybe it's success or busyness or loneliness. We go through certain seasons of life, every one of us. And so my aim in this series has been to give you some godly perspective as we walk through these different valleys of life. Now the The folks in the Bible, as we read about them, we like to sometimes think they're some sort of mythological type individuals, but no, they're just like us. They're real people, real individuals that had real issues, real ups, real downs, real struggles, real successes. They're they're no different than us. And so what we're doing is we're going back into scripture and we're looking at at, at some of these geographical valleys, real true valleys, um, where people experience these these issues and valleys of life and see of life. We're going to learn from them and then we'll apply it to our lives how we can learn from that. And so I hope this has been beneficial to you already. If this is your first time, I think you'll be encouraged uh, once again today. Well, we're going to today enter a valley of life that a lot of us struggle to get out of. It's a valley of life where the pain is deep and then the walls are really steep. Hard to get over, hard to break through. It's called the Valley of Baca or the Valley of Sorrows. It's a difficult valley to be in, you know, because we all have these experiences where it feels like we've had really our hearts taken out of our bodies and thrown on the ground and just stepped on from time to time. We've all felt that way. I've felt that way. And uh, how do I know? (laughs) Because these experiences that I can look back on, I've experienced some of that. And I could give you a list of, uh, of, of experiences. But there's one event that really stands out to me going back to 2004. Uh, Haley was just one month old at the time. Kathy and I were living in Atlanta, Georgia. I was doing student ministry. And I had just taken about... Um, 80 or so students and adults to a youth camp. It was in July, and we went about six hours away to a town in Tennessee. And while we were there, literally, as I was, we, we pulled into the parking lot at the camp, and I was about to give out all the room assignments, and I get this phone call from Kathy, and I answered it real quickly, and, and she's just weeping on the phone. And I thought, oh, what's going on here? Well, she goes on to tell me that we had just gotten word after the genetic testing with our oldest daughter, Haley, that she had this rare chromosome abnormality called 9P- or Alfie syndrome, uh, which would entail uh, many uh, 
developmental delays physically, mentally, and, and, and so it was this very difficult, difficult time. Obviously, I was crushed as I'm hearing this, and I've got, you know, 80 individuals ready to get their room assignments, hadn't even done that yet, and so they're all waiting, and, and so what I ended up doing is uh, we, we got off the phone, I hurry up, got the room assignments, and actually that night I shared them, uh, that, or just within a couple hours, shared with them the news. I ended up flying back to Atlanta to be with Kathy so we could just grieve together. Uh, in that moment, it was uh, it was difficult because we had to then begin to think about the challenges that were presented to us uh, going forward. Now, thinking back on this experience and receiving that news in that moment, I want you to be clear: nothing changed with with Haley. She's delightful and loving and caring as. As you would ever know. And from the moment we heard, before we heard the news and after the news, there was no difference in her. She didn't die that day, okay? And so when you think of grieving, it wasn't a, a loss of life per se, but what the loss was to us, what did die, was the dream. And when you lose a dream, that's a very significant thing. Uh, God had a different plan for her, a different dream, a different direction than what we had. See, as parents, let's not, let's not fool ourselves in here, parents, okay? We all have dreams for our parents. Simple things, just to walk, just to, to speak, to do different things. We have these dreams for our kids to grow up and, and, and be independent and do all. You have those dreams whether you know it or not. And then when they're ripped away, that becomes a loss. And so we had to learn very early on to let go of that dream. Because God has a different dream, a different plan, a different direction to go. And by the way, his is much better. Because I, I'm telling you, people know and they see and when they look and how beautiful. And she teaches us more than any of you could ever teach me. Because of the simplicity of life and the love, the unconditional love that she would have that we don't at times. And we miss that. Everybody's got a plan. She's got a plan. But now, going back to the story, my point is, is that the pain was very, very real to us. And it often, and it still is at times, we have to adjust to the Spirit's leading and trust that He knows what's best because it's not always easy at times. And so, going back to that summer in July in 2004, Kathy and I entered what I would call the Valley of, of Sorrow, the Valley of Baca, the valley, the word Baca literally means weeping. It's a valley of, of pain. It's a, where there's emotional pain. Now, whether your hurt that you're dealing with was due to a hardship of some sort that was completely out of your control, or let's say it was a little more self-inflicted because of some sort of sin that was in your life, the pain is real. So the question I have for us today and which we're going to approach from Scripture is how do you cope with that pain? How do you deal with a lost dream? Where do you go? What kind of perspective can you gain? Well, Scripture helps us. And so I want you to do something with me. Turn your Bibles to Psalm chapter 84. Psalm 84. The Valley of Baca is actually a figurative place. So there's not a map. I'm going to show you where it is. But I think we've all been there. Let me give you some background 
for this particular psalm because it's very important that you understand the author of these, this psalm. It's from the sons of Korah. They wrote Psalm 84. And the question is, who's Korah? Okay, there's the sons, but who's the father? Who's Korah? Well, Korah was in Numbers chapter 16. He was a, a man who rallied together a group of 250 elite men to challenge the authority and the leadership of Moses and Aaron on their journey to the promised land. And so I'm going to cut the, short, the story a little bit short. Um, but the son, uh, Korah, and all these elite men... Um, God created this big hole in the ground, if you remember, and swallowed them up because of their rebellion against Moses and against Aaron. And so these sons, uh, so these, um, these men, including Korah, were basically killed at that moment. Now, the sons of Korah were spared. You could leap forward in Numbers chapter 26, verse 11, and you see that they had this different perspective about life. They didn't care so much, as we'll see in this scripture, they didn't care so much about the lofty positions that maybe their dad was after. They just wanted to be near God. In fact, verse 10 of Psalm 84, and I'm just going to read this to you. It's not going to be on the screen, but Psalm uh, 84.10 said, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper, a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wicked. They would take the lowliest position as long as they were close to God. That's all they cared. What a huge reversal, wouldn't you say, from their dad? But now, let's, let's be real though, okay? These sons faced many great sorrows during this time. Think about the loss that they faced. Their dad, the reputation. Oh, those are the sons of Korah, right? Remember what he did? And so when we read this passage, remember this experience. Remember what led up to this in Psalm 84, verses 1 through 7. So let's, let's let this kind of open our hearts and hear the words of these, this broken and thankful uh, sons of Korah, okay, verse 1. How lovely, they write, is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. See, being in the presence of God, being close to God was what was most important to them. Verse 2, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My flesh, or my heart and my flesh, sing for joy. And he says, to the living God, not the dead, but the living God. Now, the courts, if you're wondering, what that, that's the corporate place of, of worship around the temple, as you remember. So as long as they were in the place of God's people to meet with him, that was the most important thing. That's where it brings healing. That's where they bring meaning and life. And so uh, they love the presence of God, the, the living God, not this dead God that so many others uh, in competing religions around the time uh, served. They had a living God, and they knew that. In verse 3, and I love this verse. You know, sometimes you read verses, and you don't really get the depth of the verse. I love this one, and I'll explain in just a moment. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. And I love this. At your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. See, the psalmist pictures birds that make their nest in the eaves of the temple there's this beautiful structure and then there's these little nests up in the eaves of the temple raising their young near the altars of almighty god and the psalmist then is overwhelmed by the thought of this lowly creature being in such an esteemed place in the presence of god and he thinks i'm so much more valuable to god 
God wants me to have a home just like that sparrow with him, close to him in his presence. That's a beautiful picture right there. We keep reading verse 4. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. So great favor comes to those who sing with the Lord. Verse 5. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are on the highways to Zion. What does this mean? Well, during different parts of the year, Jews from far distances would, would then get on these highways and make this pilgrimage to Jerusalem and to the temple to do uh, to, to have for parts of celebrations and sacrifices and such. And on this journey, you could only imagine there would be struggles, there'd be sorrows, or maybe they had a sorrow that they were leaving and they were coming to the temple where the presence of God would be. And so they would have to come in faith, knowing, Lord, we're going to come, we're going to be there, we're going to be next to you. And then we read this next verse and it kind of pulls it together. As they go through, that is passed through the valley of Baca. Remember the valley of Baca. Baca means weeping or sorrows. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it then with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before, the, before God in Zion, again in his presence. See, often it takes us going through pain to experience God's presence. But we're going to dig a lot more in this passage because I think there's some important truths uh, for us here today. In fact, in verse 6 is where we're going to do some camping out here. Um, If you're in the valley of Baca, the valley of sorrows or weeping, even right now, I want you to notice some things with me about verse 6 here in chapter uh, Psalm 84. Scripture doesn't teach if you pass through the valley Baca. There's not this condition where it may or may not happen. That would assume a possibility. But instead it says as they go through or as they pass through the valley of Baca, which clearly denotes certainty, not possibility. But that is going to happen. You don't have a choice in the matter concerning facing sorrows or not. It's going to happen. You will face relational conflict in your life. You're going to face death. You're going to face health crises, accidents. You're going to have disagreements with people that, that send you into deep weeping. There are going to be all various types of letdowns and disappointments in your life, so on and so forth. There's no avoiding sorrow or weeping in your life. And so let's put this in perspective. That hardship that you're facing right now, right here, it's unavoidable. Unless you had some sort of self-inflicted wound upon it, and you made these poor decisions. But the hardships we face, the misfortunes, the things that we don't plan in our life, those are unavoidable. They're going to come. Now, if it stopped right there, you'd be like, boy, you really got me a, a sad message today. Thankfully, it gets better. So it's not if you go, but as you pass through. But the point is in verse 6, also we see this, is that it teaches you that you will pass through the valley 
of Baca, the Valley of Sorrows. And here's the good news. You will make it to the other side. You don't stay in that valley. You don't stay in that place. Isn't that good news? You don't have to camp out there. Though I will say this, you may have to be there for an extended amount of uh, time. And I can't deny that there will be pain and it will be intense through some of that. But the point is, you will be delivered from the valley of Baca in the Lord's time. Especially if it's not on this side of heaven, it will be in heaven. And so the sorrow, as long as it may feel to you, that sorrow is still temporary. And even better, I want you to see this in verse 6, because this is the point that we don't often realize. In verse 6, as we continue, they will make it a place of springs. See, the early rain also covers it with pools. See, that valley of Baca is depicted. It's depicted as this dry and arid place where there isn't a whole lot of life. It's lonely. It's desolate. And if you said, I want to take a vacation there, you'd probably say, no way, because it's undesirable. It's not a place that you want to stay long term. But the sorrow that you have, the sorrows that you're facing can be turned into refreshing springs as God sends down the rain in his time, not your time, but in his time as he sends down the rain to form these deep pools of blessings in your life. So with that proper outlook, a, a proper perspective, a blessing can spring up in the place of that sorrow but you have to ask yourself, you have to ask, how can this sorrow become a benefit to me and others instead of being this drain of negativity? You have to change your perspective to see it like that. But I do understand, as I'm talking, in your mind, you're just rehearsing over and over again, thinking, how can this horrible experience that I'm facing right now become a blessing? After all, I've lost my home. I've, I've lost my family. I'm far away from family. I've lost my job. I've lost my purity. I've lost my will to live. And so how can this loss of a dream, how can it be a blessing, God? I'm not going to minimize the emotional depth to that question. But if you believe, if you trust in God's word, your sorrows can be turned into blessings. So with that, I want to share with you my key point. I want you to hear this very closely, okay? The key point for today is this. Time cannot erase what has happened. Let's just stop there. Time cannot erase what has happened that thing that you keep rehearsing in your head, wishing it was different, it's not going anywhere. It happened. It took place. Time can't erase that. It's part of your history. Time cannot erase what has happened. But watch this. But that time, it can guide you to unexpected blessings and ultimately glory to God if you give it to Him. See that pit in your stomach? can turn to joy as it, 
as it leads to something special. But you've got to change your outlook on the way you view that particular sorrow. So what is your sorrow? What is it that you've been dealing with and hurting and wrestling with? Have you been camping out there too long? See, when are you going to start looking to better your life with a new outlook? So here's, here's what's got to happen. Are you ready? Because right now, if you're not happy with whatever you dealt with, what happens typically is, is you play that blame game. And so here's what's got to happen. You've got to stop blaming everything and everyone around you for the sorrow in your life, including God. Because so many times we'll hang a fist at God and say, how dare you do this to me? You got to stop blaming everything and everyone. Blame doesn't change anything in your circumstance. We must learn to change our expectations as life presents itself. Because if we don't, and you know this because maybe this is where you are. If you don't change your perspective, you'll end up negative, a negative gloomy person without this positive outlook on life. It's not going to be healthy to you. It's not going to be healthy to those around you. And so instead of saying, God, it shouldn't have been this way. I'm not supposed to be in this situation. I'm not supposed to be divorced. I'm not supposed to, be, to bury my spouse or to bury my child. I'm not supposed to do that. I'm not supposed to lose my job. I'm not supposed to have this cancer in my body that's eating me up. I'm not supposed to lose that dream. God, it's not fair. But instead of saying that, I know, I know that that's what you would want. Instead, here's the deal. It's come. It's part of your history. It's part of who you are now. So instead, say, God, I, and here's that five-letter word that's so hard. God, I trust you. I trust you know what's best, even if I would have picked a different path. And so God, set my feet on a new direction. Let me pass through this sorrow. I'm ready. It's time, folks. It's time for you to begin the journey to pass through. I'm not saying that today you're going to be on the other side, but it's time for you to change the outlook that it will come, that you will pass through it. It's time to change your expectation and make new dreams. Because, yeah, maybe that dream that you wanted, it's, gone, it's been wiped out and you're still trying to hang on to it. It's time to make new dreams and let God define what your dream should be. See, the valley of sorrows, the valley of Baca is very real, but you will pass through it and blessings can spring up from it. If the blessing doesn't come soon, I want you to understand that you will receive that blessing. You will pass through when you enter the gates of heaven because that's where we know that God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. So it's coming. So today, if I could just encourage you, hang on. Hang on and trust God. That is while you're in the valley of Baca. I want you to bow your heads with me at this time. This is a very, very sensitive topic.
And I would dare say many of you are right now square in the pit of the valley. And you're wrestling and you're struggling and you're needing perspective because you can't change your situation. What if you're, if you're in the valley of Bach and if you're not now, you will be someday. What tragedy, what crisis has left you emotionally scarred? Okay, you got it. You probably didn't have to hunt very long. But what is that event? What is that thing in your life that is leaving you emotionally scarred? Now, check your outlook. If it's negative, how has that really helped you? How has that helped the people around you? It hasn't. So it's time to alter your expectations and really let God direct your path. Let him build a new dream in you. Let the old dream go and let him build a new one in you. He'll guide you. Now, I mentioned earlier, we'd have a little more music here today. I think you understand why. And so Kevin's going to begin to sing a song in just a moment. But I'm going to have you just stay seated until he invites you to stand with him. In fact, what I, what I hope this song, as he begins to sing it, may be new to some of you, may not to everybody. But as he sings this song, I want you to just let the Spirit of God sing over you. Zephaniah 7, 3, or 3.17 talks about God singing over his people. I think today you might need that. Just let him sing over you right now. And then we're going to respond in another very familiar song in praise. And I ask that you let it out, even if you're in the valley of Baca. You praise. So as the Spirit sings over you first, and then we'll have a response to sing to him. You will pass through it. God is sovereign. Let's not fight it. When we do stand and sing in a little bit, the prayer tables will be open. I'd encourage you to go to our prayer tables if you need. The altars will be open. You do what you need to do to draw close to God today. Father, you hear our prayer. We trust your word. That as we pass through the Valley of Baca, there will be springs, there will be pools of blessings after. We trusting your word today. And so now, God, even though we hurt some of us in here, I pray that as, as your spirit sings over us, we'll begin to have new dreams birthed in us. Healing would occur. And then we would stand and praise you with everything we have. We love you, Jesus. May you, Spirit of God, have your way with us now. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. There is strength within the sorrow. There is beauty in our tears. And you meet us in our morning. With a love that cast out fear You are working in our waiting Sanctifying us When beyond our understanding 
teaching us to trust your plans are still to prosper you've not forgotten us you're with us in the fire
Whatever it is, Lord, it is well because you are faithful.